Hello Agent. Welcome to the Impossible Missions Podcast, hosted by Rob Kinea and Kevin Hunt. We're fans of the Mission Impossible movie franchise, and the mission we've chosen to accept is to watch, for the first time, the classic television series that inspired it. As always, should we be caught or killed, the Secretary will disavow any knowledge of our actions. Mr. Kanaya, how are you? I'm good. You all right? I am pretty good. Excellent. Slightly disappointed. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, we just watched, uh, was it season one, episode seven, Wheels? Yep. And I think the wheels threatened to come off it at times. <laughs> Do you, it's not, it, it's, it's distracting enough, but it wasn't great, was it? No, I'd say... It's the weakest episode of the series so far. And I know we're only seven episodes in, but it it was so odd. It was such an odd episode. There there was so many things in it that didn't seem to work or... I, I don't know, it was just... Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a... Felt a bit half-baked. Like, they were rushing to get scripts done, perhaps, at this point. Mm. And so it was kind of the first, maybe the second draft... And hadn't had all the kinks ironed out, but no, I mean it did. It, it had some good moments in it. Yeah, um, can't, but, yeah, can't deny that. Yeah, yeah they did, I guess um, there there didn't seem to be any, or there there wasn't much uh, jeopardy in the episode for for the actual IMF agents. Or oh, actually, no, I say that there was for one. There was, yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, actually, for one. yeah, <laughs> but, I forgot about that. But yeah. Um... <laughs> well, let's get to it. Yeah, uh, let's start with the old uh, the briefing. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So it starts. Uh, Dan uh, pulls up his car in what looks like a lumber yard or something, parks up next to a van marked up KVWV. Another weird location. Another yeah, place to really go. weird. Like, does the van belong to them or just they parked st- it there? And... I'm assuming because of those initials on it, it's either like a TV broadcast van or a radio mm. station's broadcast van. I looked this up, actually, because you see in American films, TV shows, this is probably common knowledge for American citizens, but for us over here whose radio stations are called, like, Radio X or Essex FM. Or, yeah, yeah. Or radio, BBC Radio 1, you know, mm. quite simple things. But they, you always tend to see it's like W something, something, something. Yeah, KDWV yeah. or something. Yeah, I don't... What, why is that? Right, so apparently every radio and TV station has a four-letter ID attached to it. Uh, Almost all of them start with either W or K. Uh, And this all originated back when it was telegrams whizzing around the place. Um, So in 1912, uh, several countries held a conference on international radio telegraphs. Mm. And one agreement they came to was to assign certain letters to certain countries. Uh, America was given W, K, N and A. Which is funny because now I've seen that written down. It looks like Wakanda. (laughs) Forever. (laughs) Wakanda forever. (laughs) N and A were assigned to be used by the military. Okay. And w and K went to uh, commercial enterprises. So the stations could choose any letters they liked to come after the K or the W. Okay. Uh, but in 1928, the Federal Radio Commission set a few more rules, and all of the sort of call names had to be four letters long. Everything east of the Mississippi starts with W. Okay. And everything west starts with K. 
So that's where some of them are W and some of them are K. So you get like W A B C K C B S W T B S. So that's the W, the K, and are then, they are they real stations? And then the initials of like the right. networks that own the station. So okay, like okay. CBS, who, right? You know, were to do yeah, this yeah, program. yeah. Um, so yeah, that solved that particular little mystery for me. Okay. It probably isn't a mystery for half the world's population, but I'd always wanted. No, I I'd, I'd never known that. I thought they were just because um, I don't listen to American radio because. Uh, you see it on me, but on you, you see it on TV, and yeah, things, TVs yeah. and films and things like that. I just thought it was like, like with um, all American telephone numbers begin five five five, yeah, don't we, they? Which is I a, don't think that's real. It's but. apparently a, an area code made up just for use in television programs. Oh, or okay. So I wondered if whether instead of you coming to come up with brand names for things, then have to do I think they call it a negative check where some poor researcher has to look and see whether actually this brand exists. Just in case people yeah, yeah. I wondered if they were like, Oh, let's just throw some random numbers together out of uh, random letters together out of a scrabble set, but no, it's a thing. There you go. Yeah. So in the van, he climbs in the back and after doing a terrible job of looking unsuspicious <laughs> I don't know whether that's I've said that already or if that's actually a word, who knows? There's a little cupboard inside, and he finds an envelope in that, which has got the usual documents and things, maps, yep. whatnot. And uh, there's like a reel-to-reel tape recorder, yeah. tape player set up. Yeah, a lot there. more, lot more Mission Impossible, isn't it? Yeah. With the uh, the uh, rather than um, doing it on a record or anything like that, but yeah. So he uh, he hits play, and uh, we get the uh, the briefing. Good afternoon, Mr. Briggs. A critical election is about to take place in Valeria. Should the police-controlled nationalists win over the Liberty Party? the country will become a terrorist dictatorship. We have information that, to ensure their victory, the nationalists have fixed the voting machines in the key 12th district. Mr Briggs, your mission, should you decide to accept it, would be to unfix the election so that the result will honestly reflect the vote of the people. The Secretary instructs you that no citizen of Valeria may be directly employed, and, as always, should any of your IM force be caught or killed, he will disavow any knowledge of your actions. Please dispose of this recording as usual. Which, again, seems to be throw it in a nearby open fire. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty rife in these, uh, wherever they go and get these missions from. Yeah, another like, second, second furnace that we've had to burn the message now, isn't it? This is a lumber <laughs> mill. I assume they're just burning off the odds and ends. I don't know. I you suppose know. so. It's, it's pretty small furnace, though. Yeah, it's not and really you picked something up quite funny oh, about yeah, that, he, didn't you? <laughs> he throws it out the car window as he's driving past, and if you're quick, you can see the the the, the reel just bounce away onto the tarmac and not he actually go in the He looked so cocky as he was doing it as well. He was like, he didn't even stop. He sort of drove past and casually threw it out the window. It was like you know in the Lego Batman movie where yeah. um, he's trying to hit the button. <laughs> he throws like a, a million batarangs past the Lego spaceship man. Yeah, and then just goes first time. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Dan did that. <laughs> it's funny because just when... looks straight down the barrel of the camera and goes <laughs> first time and drives off. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He didn't style that out very well, did he? This week when um, when they were doing the mission briefing, I, f- I thought they said it was um, Valerium, the the, re- the really bad Luke Besson movie. <laughs> <laughs> All I could think of was um, Valeria, who's um, like the daughter of Reed Richards and Susan Storm in the Fantastic Four. <laughs> It's funny how, like, how, where our minds go for these things. It does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we go to the apartment and Dan picks out the team from the Impossible Mission Facebook. We mm. see the Impossible Mission fish in the fish tank. We do, and he walks. It's quite cool because it's, it's, 
It's almost like it's part of a wall and he walks behind it. Yeah. Real, real fish him. too. I thought they'd just have fake fish that you see from a distance. Do you think do you think there's a real uh, like apartment that they're using then? I think Although, it's a, no, it's a set, I think. Because the window, you can see, out of the window, you can see the um, the skyline, can't you? And it's, they've got it's cyclo- very, cyclorama, don't they call it that? I think the big yeah, painted backdrop. very, very blatantly painted a, backdrop. Yeah, a, sky, a city <laughs> skyline. Fission yeah. impossible. Fission impossible. Not sure oh, whether that God. works as a gag. Mm. <laughs> right, so, yeah, Impossible Mission Facebook, he picks out Cinnamon, Rollin, Willie, Barney. Mm-hmm. And no one else. Yeah, regular team. No guest stars. No bonus IMF agent. No, unless no. you count the fish. Yeah. I was I, When they did that, I thought, oh, surely they're going to get someone halfway through the mission or something like that at, at that point. Well. But um, no, it's, it's, that, it's, that's, the first, that's the first time they've, he's just chose the regular guys. Yeah, it? I think so. Because even in the pilot, there was um, Terry Targo, wasn't there? As yeah. An extra one. Jenny's hands have healed yet. Maybe. I'm not sure whether his, his piano playing days are ever going to come no, back. No. Um, interestingly, there's a little bit of trivia that in the original outline for the story, uh, Dan brings in an extra agent uh, called Tony, an ex-racketeer and pinball machine expert. Oh, I like that. And Tony would have been killed uh, during a sequence later in the episode, uh, forcing the team to change their plans halfway through. Which Would, would this have... have been the scene that where... Something happens yeah. to someone. Okay, right, yeah. Which would have been an interesting twist on it, but I think yeah, actually that, quite dark as well. Yeah, I think actually because it, it now then kind of happens to one of the regulars. Mm. It's a bit more shocking. Oh, yeah, he's actually yeah. They, they, don't, they don't get killed. Spoilers. But... Has, it, has anyone <laughs> has anyone died in the series yet? I don't think they have. Have well, they? The main ones? No. No, none of the main ones. Anyway, you had the guy with the firing squad. In was that but, the second episode? Uh, second, yeah, yeah. yeah he, was, he was their target, though, wasn't he? So, I yeah, so I suppose that's to be expected. Yeah. So the team are all gathered around uh, a one-armed bandit, a fruit machine. Yeah. And Barney's tinkering around inside of it, and apparently <laughs> this is because there's no point in them looking at an American voting machine because it would be different to the ones in Valeria. Mm. Uh, but this. Fruit machine, for some reason, has the same self-contained electromagnetic device, counters, and gearing mechanisms, you know, to within a certain degree of accuracy, so that Barney can check it out and decide what he's going to do. Yeah, yeah. Convenient. Mm. And this is uh, one of the first of many great conveniences. Yeah, this is in this episode. Yeah, there's a there's a lot, isn't there? Of um, there's there's so many coincidences that happen in this episode. It's, it's I accept that you need a certain number for dramatic licensing for things to tick along without becoming too you complicated. Do, but, but this is there's something else. There's, isn't having, there, really? there's having two or three, and then there's and then there's Lister having the luck virus out of Red Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is a bit like that actually. Yeah, the secret says Barney is in the wheels. Which is where the title of the episode the comes episode from. called Wheels, yeah. Yeah. No Foo Fighters song anywhere. No Disappointing. Car, no car chases. Could have been no. That. I was hoping Dan was going to knock out the Foo Fighters song Wheels on that bloody organ. <laughs> <laughs> the organ has now been laid to rest. I know, I know. Dan's organ is back in wherever he keeps <laughs> it in storage. Yeah. I think it's somewhere in his apartment. So Barney says that he can unfix the fix mm-hmm. if they can get to the voting machines in time. The voting machines are locked away in a back room of the polling station which happens to be the 12th district police station and also happens to be the nationalist party headquarters (laughs) 
No conflict of interest there. No. Rollin will play a voter, but exactly who will depend on Cinnamon. Mm. How will I find him? Ask Cinnamon. And Dan says, when in doubt, ask a policeman. And we cut to the streets of Valeria. Yeah. Which is the Paramount lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the police are herding a load of uh, young protesters right at the back of a police van, mm. kind of roughly battering them with sticks yeah. to, get them to go into the police station. Yeah, really... Um, it's all quite, quite loud and rowdy, and a fight breaks out once yeah, they're inside. Yeah, the music's and quite like loud. That. and um... uh, This is where we get introduced to the police captain, Captain Trez. Mm. Uh, he is not pleased with his day being disturbed. <laughs> he is not, no. And he is, he is one of the sweatiest men I've ever seen, actually. What's his name? Captain, Captain Trez. Trez. Captain Trez. Yeah, they... Yeah, everyone's quite sweet. I think they're trying to portray the fact that it's a hot It's a hot country. country. I'm and assuming everyone's... somewhere South American. It's a made-up mm. country, obviously, but... Yeah. So Captain Trez is played by an actor called Percy Rodriguez, who has a Star Trek connection. Does he? Yeah. Is he, this our first one? Uh, I think so, actually. Okay. Yeah. So he plays Commodore Stone in the original series episode Court Martial, uh, which is one where Captain Kirk is tried for the death of one of his crew, who Whoa, okay. eventually, in the end, turns out... Actually, he isn't dead and tries to destroy the Enterprise. Um, but his sort of main claim to fame is that he narrated nearly 100 movie trailers. No way, really? Cause he's what, got, American movie trailers? Yeah, um, he's got that voice. He? He's got quite a, a deep, rich Yeah, voice. not like the... Uh, the movie trailer guy I always think of is the one from like the 80s and the 90s. He's like, in an impossible time. And yeah. It's like, you know, well, it's a bit, kind it's of a, sounds like he smokes too much. It's a bit like that. It was sort of 70s and 80s horror movies and a bunch of slightly better known films. Um, hmm. uh, you'll recognise some of these names. Okay. The Exorcist. Yep. Jaws. Taxi Driver. And there's, there's a few horror movies. Chopping Mall. <laughs> Chopping I, Mall? I picked that one out because I quite like the title. That's I think, great. I, I think they've done that on the Chopping How Did This Get Made podcast. I'm pretty sure they have. Uh, Children of the Corn, Creepshow 2. Okay. He did a lot of horror then. Yeah. Then some non-horror ones. So Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Oh, I love that film. Scrooged. Okay, yeah. Look Who's Talking, 1 and 2. Okay. Uh, not 3 not though. Or Look Who's three. Talking Now. Three? Oh, that was one with the animals, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know. Was right. there an animal one? I'm sure there was an animal one. Oh, my God. I think I've only seen the first two. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Uh, the Adams Family. So, yeah, uh, you know, oh, okay. a proper range of, of trailers. Yeah, he was he I was Mr. W- movie Trailers for a while. I'd probably recognise his voice if I heard... I'd like to hear one of them trailers now, but... Yeah, I might, I'll try and find one perhaps and pop it somewhere in the podcast. Mm, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Cinnamon arrives. <laughs> she does. In a lime green dress and pink hat. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it's very Lady Penelope sort of outfit, wasn't it? <laughs> Do you know what? Yes, it really was. Yeah, I've only just thought about that now, actually, but yeah. I don't think you could wear it in a pink car. I think that might be too much. But that would be too much, yeah. Yeah, she's um, she's not going in under the radar this time. Mm. So she's, she, she actually, yeah, she does remind me of Lady Penelope quite a lot, actually. Yeah. So Cinnamon goes into the police station, they're just mopping up the last of the protesters pretty mm. much literally off the floor because they've hammered them into, into submission. Yeah, one they, of the poor guards is just picking up all the placards that have just been, like, <laughs> spilt all over the floor there, yeah. Look at the mess you've made. <laughs> um, and we kind of get a bit of geography because we kind of follow the camera as they... The camera follows them as they drag yes. these guys off through a security gate into mm. the further depths of this police station. Yeah. Um, Cinnamon goes over to the desk sergeant and starts spinning this melodramatic story. 
Oh, with this weird music. Yeah. 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 yeah, It's like, it is literally like music from a melodrama or a soap opera. They really lean. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, she turns on the waterworks and does all that. It's it's quite fun. (laughs) So she spins this story that she's a stranger to the city and she wants to report a crime. She was on the Riviera just before Easter, met a man and fell in love. Uh, Captain Trez kind of overhears (laughs) it and comes wandering over asks her her name and she says she's called Catherine Block mm. and the man that she's looking for Edward Germain I mean these names they're completely pointless they mean nothing to anybody no no and Edward supposedly asked her to marry him but he needed some money for a business uh, she gave him half a million francs and so when she came here for the wedding she can't find him <laughs> so yeah it's a story that she's been conned yeah he's, she's been, yeah he's, he's done a bunk Captain Trez pretty much literally rolls his eyes behind her back <laughs> It's like, yeah, I've heard all this before. Captain Trez does a lot of standing over people in this episode. He, yeah, he's... Very, right. A very close proximity as well. He, I bet he reads everything over everyone's shoulder. Like They'll be on the train reading the newspaper <laughs> and he's like looming over them. Oh, I hate people that do that, yeah. No idea of personal space. No, and he doesn't. Um, we get a quick cut outside. Barney's being dragged down the street by some policemen. <laughs> yeah. As if he's another protester that's been uh, gathered up. As Trez is offering Cinnamon a little bit of sympathy. And a tiny cup of water. A tiny, the tiniest <laughs> cup of water from the water cooler. Little, yeah. Put little paper. It's almost like espresso cup. Size. It's tiny, isn't it? it? I mean, this wouldn't even like satisfy an Ewoks first. <laughs> uh, Barney gets dragged in. So Cinnamon's kind of distracting the police from paying too much attention to the, them bringing Barney in. Mm, yeah. And they're dragging him off through to that secure area at the back and it becomes obvious that this is Dan and Willie dressed up as policemen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dan enjoying himself thoroughly. Yeah, Dan Dan's good in this episode. He's, since he's become Dan Clown, he's he's really like he had the week off last week, didn't he? So he's full of energy. Oh he did actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he moved he's got this kind of jerky move. <laughs> he's so he's weird and gangly and Yeah. His like, arms are always all over the place. It's... Yeah, but it'll be it'll be very it'll be very still. And then all of a sudden, when it's like action time, the arms like explode. It's kind of like watching Woody the cowboy. You know, when he's like running and his arms are like shooting all over the shop. And it's like it it cracks me up. I love it. Yeah, Dan's good in this one. So Dan and Barney and Woody go further into the police station, down to mm. where the cells are, and there's like a a guard sitting at a desk outside. A, a gated off area where the cells are. Yeah. So Willie stays with that guard. Dan goes through with Barney, pretending he's his prisoner. Yeah. Once the the gate is kind of closing behind him, Willie decks the guy at the desk. <laughs> he judo he chops like, him. He does a chop. He chops in the then... back. So when he when he lurches upwards because he's been chopped <laughs> on the back of the neck, he then delivers a massive blow. To he his does, chest I think he does it with like, like you know if you like lace your hand, lace your oh, fingers the, together. The Shatner two fisted. Yeah, yeah, and he does one of them, but. The chop was enough. The guy was on the way down. So he's sort of well, he was like, on the way up. He chops, I mean, he chops down he his chops neck and the guy comes out of his chair like he's sprung loaded. And then he batters him into the wall. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he's done. It was great. Down yeah. the other end of the corridor, in front of a cell that's packed <laughs> with protesters. Yeah. Um, Dan clubs the other guard un- unconscious. Yeah. Um, 
Is that when he does that really funny well, yeah, move? Yeah, Barney <laughs> legs it back to, to the other end of the corridor. And in the mm. background, you see Dan kind of pump his fists in the air in front of the protesters like he's, he's like, geeing them on. <laughs> but it's, it's far in the distance. I wouldn't have noticed it if you didn't point it out. So but he's like, he's pretty much inches away from the bars where all these people are like locked up. Just like jeering him, yeah, like with his fists like... in the air. But he does it silently, it's like he's Dan Clown again. <laughs> I think that's what made me laugh so much, because in my mind it was Dan Clown all over again. They, uh, they fish a set of keys out of mm. the drawer off the guard, <laughs> presumably corpse, um, <laughs> and let themselves into the storeroom where the uh, voting machines are being kept. Willie drags the unconscious guard in and then takes his place at the desk. Mm. They leave the other unconscious guard's body in front of the just guys down in the, the cell. corridor in, in plain view. It's yeah. very strange. Why mm. wouldn't you hide both of them? I don't know. So this is, this is the that's the first pretty glaring yes, it's thing a... that they they don't think of sorting out or tidying up. No. Well, yeah, because like, what's the point in having Willie on the desk? Because if anyone walks up to him. All they need to do is turn their head 90 degrees around to the right and they'll see like an absolute flattened guard on he, the floor. He closes the sort of the gate, you know, with bar, prison bars, gate thing, mm. closes it, locks it as if that will obscure everything from view because he's locked yeah. it now. But he looks, he looks, he looks almost um, ashamed when he sits back down again of what he's just done. He's like, I'm not sure about this plan, I have to say. Mm. Back out in the main uh, bit of the police station, Captain Drez says to Cinnamon that he can't help her with her love life, but he can help her try to find the man that she's looking for. Yeah, I liked that line. I thought it was good. <laughs> They've got an extremely convenient set of files, including <laughs> photographs, on every adult in the district. Yeah. Handy. So, well, she digs into this box of file cards. Barney is making an impression of a key that was taped to the top of the voting machine. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's like in a little almost cigarette box, like a, a met, you know, like a metal one that yeah. you'd expect Sean Connery's 007 to open and get a cigarette out. But it's got, what's it got in it? Like I think it must be plastic. Play, I was going to say like Play-Doh. Play yeah, it's, it's Play-Doh. Play-Doh, bit of Lego. <laughs> Mud. It's fun. Some, some kind of substance that will take an impression. Yeah, yeah Play-Doh would work. Uh, yeah, so Cinnamon's going through these cards, comes across one for a guy called Julio Lopez. Mm-hmm whose photo looks quite a bit like Martin Landau. I'm not convinced that it was Martin Landau. I think it was, but I think it was a doctored photo. Because another one that we see in a minute or so very much is Martin Landau. Is another Martin Landau. Maybe everyone in this town looks like Martin Landau. Maybe. <laughs> what a weird um, town that would be. <laughs> she puts that one back. Mm. And I think she doesn't pick that one out. Because I noticed one of the words on it translates to married. Whereas the one that she does pick right. out... Translates ah. to widowed, right? So they're kind and of looking for there is a reason why right she's looking for yeah, mark. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The right situation, the right mark they're looking for. Mm. Okay. Back in the room with the machines, there's a tamper seal on the back of it, which Barney's working off with a bit of <laughs> cheese wire or something. Yeah. This tamper seal. It's a sticker, isn't it? <laughs> it gets opened and closed so many times. There's no way no one would ever have, would look at it and go, "Yeah, that's not being tampered." With. No. Honestly. I think it's like a bit of. Like floss or something to just. Uh... I think it's like cheese wire or oh, okay. wire or something. Yeah. Um, so floss. he opens up the back of the machine. We get to see the uh, the wheels. Mm. Quite a complicated looking um, mechanism in it as well. And I was I, I don't I, I've never seen a voting machine look like that before. I don't I don't know if they genuinely looked like that back then or. 
I had a, a, a quick peek on um, Wikipedia. It's quite a long article, so I didn't read too much of it. But yeah, there seemed to be all manner of different voting machines down the years. Some of them a bit like this one, which had like levers on the front mm. for each party and things like that. So right, yeah, it's you know they've suppose, obviously yeah, it's not... they've knocked this up as a prop for the show, but I think it's based on loosely based on a an actual voting machine. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, inside the machine, there's two uh, counters, which seem be like five or six uh, digits on each one. Yeah. One labelled up for the Liberty Party, one for the Nationalists. Uh, the Nationalist one is already on 2,000, and the Liberty Party one is on zero. Cheeky. Yeah, cheeky. <laughs> Dan says uh, 2,000 votes would be enough to swing it, and they've got two machines. Take a note of that. Yeah. Two machines. Remember that, yeah. How do they make the totals match the number of voters? So they can't just add on... 2,000 votes, because if they did the total in the end, there'd be... It'd be clear that there's well, 2,000 votes too many. Presumably 4,000, because presumably the other machine has got another 2,000 votes added to it. Do you think the other machine isn't rigged? I don't know. We never, we we never see well, we, the other machine. We don't see the inside ever. of the other machine. Mm. We see the outside of it, but... The other machine yeah. is one of my bones of contention with this episode. <laughs> anyway, the one that they're looking at, Barney points out that the counter for the Liberty Party, uh, the, the, the wheel that corresponds to the thousands has got three zeros on it at the beginning. So right, okay. instead of turning to one and then turning to two, it would turn to zero twice Yes, that's before, right, yeah, yeah. before it actually started counting up. That's how they even out the fact they've added 2,000 to one of them and yeah. the other one. So to make the election honest, they'll have to subtract the 2,000 votes from the nationalist counter and add them to the Liberty Party counter. Hmm. Barney can't do it now because each machine has a special reset shaft mechanism and he'll have to mould a wrench driver to fit it. So he gets to work doing that, squeezes a tube of red goop into this hole in the machine, Yeah, uh, pokes a little stick in after it. So this material he's poked in will harden. I guess it's meant to be like wax or... Some yeah, kind of it's not really. I mean, you don't really need it's to a know tube what it is, but yeah, oil yeah. paint basically. But yeah, <laughs> in real life. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's what they're doing. They're making a, a mold. Do they? Do they ever make it clear that what are the two sides? It's the Liberty Liberty Party and the, the Liberty Party Nationalist. And the Nationalists. Do they ever? I mean, is uh, is it just a safe assumption that the Nationalist Party are going to lose? On this vote, no, the Nationalist Party are the the kind of bad party. Yeah. Um, which is why they're fixing it, because they know they're not going to win. I guess, or they just want to make sure that they win. It's an interesting uh, thing, actually. They, they, the IMF aren't going in to fix the election fix result. to they're... what the presumably yeah. American government would like it to be. Mm. They're just going in to make sure that whatever result comes out of the vote is... It is completely honest. ...an honest vote. Yeah. So, which is an interesting way of going. It is, it. actually, because, obviously, if, if they unfix the vote and the Nationalist Party win anyway... The country then... could still become, what was it, a, a, a terrorist nation or something like that. Yeah, terrorist so, dictatorship. So you would have thought that they would have fixed it for the the other side to win. Yeah. Fixing elections and interfering with them is a very tof- topical subject, isn't it, in, the, in it our actually, modern yeah. world? Yeah, it is. Naming no God, names. yeah. No. Vladimir. <laughs> is that red dot on your shirt right now? <laughs> Come on without me. 
Lost me in the notes. <laughs> Sorry, they're a bit bloodstained. Uh, Cinema, meanwhile, is looking to the record still and finds another picture of another man who looks a bit like Martin Landau. Mm. Uh, this is the card for Miguel Cordova. He not only looks a bit like Martin Landau in... It's like a grey or pale blonde wig and eyebrows, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, his nose has been made... The bridge of his nose has been more sort of thick and prominent. And, yeah. yeah. He looks... My first instinct was he looks an awful lot like Javier Bardem as Silver in Skyfall. <laughs> and once you've seen it... Yeah, that was a really good shout. Yeah, really... Yeah. It's that headshot photograph they've got of him... Yeah. Is, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It was it's, it was weird. It's more front-on when you see him, it, when you see Martin Landau made up in it, than side-on. Side-on, he still looks like Martin Landau, but front-on yeah, is front on, it's, kind it's of uncanny. Strange, yeah. Uh, Trez is looking over her shoulder, as usual, asks mm. if she's found something, because she's kind of examining the card closely, but she says, no, I've made a mistake. It's uh, While Barney and Dan are waiting for the wax or whatever it is to harden him to make this uh, impression... Hmm. Dan's looking at his watch and the music is making a kind of tick-tock, tick-tock noise. Yeah, it's you quite know, effective, actually, yeah. It's quite good. Mm. Uh, Barney pulls the impression out on the little stick that he poked in, says to be safe, he should make another one too, but Dan says there's, there's not enough time. Mm. Two machines, remember? Yep. <laughs> He's making an impression of one of the machine's reset shaft. What if the other machine's reset shaft is, is a different, different design to this one? You would assume it would be. Because otherwise you just have one key and you'd be able to open all of those. Yeah. Not just those two, but... But they never even take the cover off the other machine. No, they don't. No, because it's, it's covered like in a... a like a cover, yeah. Yeah, like one of those posh sheets you get for nice cars. Yes. It's like one I've of those, I've never had it? one, because I've never had a posh car. No, me neither. We could dream, though. <laughs> Might just buy a posh sheet. So, yeah, machine number two, <laughs> again, is a bone of contention. <laughs> yeah. Why are they ignoring machine number two? Mm. Yeah, because they don't... They don't know that that has or hasn't been fixed. No. So if that's been if Dan, that has Dan been seems fixed, to make the assumption because he says hmm. they've got two machines, two thousand votes, and and they've got two machines. Yeah. Hmm. You'd think they would check it because if it, if it has been fixed, then it might still yeah. This point pointless mission. <laughs> anyway. God, this mission. So they put everything <laughs> back. They close the back. Make sure the tamper seal is stuck down so it doesn't look like it's been tampered with. Put the cover hmm. back on. Turn the lights out and leave. I mean, there's an unconscious guard in the corner of the room, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, guess that doesn't matter. Cinnamon finishes up with the files, closes them, says she couldn't find the man that she was looking for. Thanks, mm-hmm. Captain Trez. And yeah. then she leaves. Um, on their way out of the storage area, Dan breaks into this big red box uh, marked up Lagrimogeno, Lagrimogeno mm. which seems to be tear gas in Italian. But uh, okay. the things they take out are basically just offcuts of wood painted red. <laughs> <laughs> but they've not even been painted red all the way round. No. The top of it was just still the wood, the general <laughs> colour of wood. Which I guess on a 1960s uh, television set you would never, ever have seen. Ever. No. But it's very obvious. On Especially a... if you were watching it in black and white. No, yeah, true. I didn't realise what they were supposed to be picking up. I thought they were just picking up blocks of wood. <laughs> yeah, cause, because the box is marked up in... I think whatever it's Italian, the language whatever. of this country is, yeah, yeah. It's not like it says tear gas on it. So. No. It's like, why are you picking up those little blocks of wood? They it's like use them to like wedge, wedge them some doors open or yeah. something. Yeah. Dan goes and lets his new friends in the prison cell out, the protesters. He does, yeah. Leg it out. There's the guy guarding the gate that leads out to the main bit of the police station. Mm. Dan truncheons him <laughs> into next week. 
And it's it's like you remember um, was it the uh, Rank Film Company? They always had the guy yeah, hitting a gong. The gong at the guy. Yeah. It's kind of like that. He comes in with this massive swing. With the truncheon. I'm like, surprised Whoa. he did not take the guy's head off. <laughs> he goes it's down like a sack like, of spuds. It's the, another, like, the way he does his action moves, like his punches, and it was like his, um, his Tintin slash Spidey punch yeah, in Old in Man the Out. clown outfit, his clown, yeah. clown foo. Yeah, um, and it was the same as well. It's, and it's... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just picturing it in my head again. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, that was good. That was—I'd say—that is the highlight of this episode. So yeah, he pulls the lever, <laughs> gate opens. Yeah, protesters everywhere. Mm. Start throwing the tear gas wood around. <laughs> Some stagehands start pumping the set full of dry ice. Um, Absolute ton of dry ice. A ton as well. of dry you can't ice. see anything. So in amongst all the protesters making a break for it, there's mm. Barney, Willie, and Dan. And one of the police officers starts firing his gun off wildly. <laughs> Hits Barney in the shoulder from behind. Yeah. And Barney staggers against the wall. Barney's shot, yeah. I was really shocked by that. He's not even shot, he's got a face full of tear gas as well at the same time. Yeah. Willie, who is seemingly impervious to tear gas, maybe (laughs) even bullets, comes back to get him. Yeah, just ambles off carrying him down the down the corridor. Yeah, they uh, they make to be fair, most people don't seem to be affected by the sheer amount of tear gas that's being let off down here. It's like... You wouldn't be able to go in that building for weeks. You wouldn't. Would it was you? like playing, like, Quasar. <laughs> that's a blast from the past. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they take the stricken Barney out into the street. Ad break. Mm. So, yeah, Barney gets shot. And I think yeah. this is the first time one of our heroes has been properly hurt. Yeah. Apart from old uh, Mossy's name with the damaged hands. Yeah. Um, yeah. I forgot his name. Terry. Terry Targo, yeah. Um, I suppose Barish got battered about a bit in memory, but yeah, this is an actual. This is a pretend. This is quite a serious injury, and I was thinking, oh my god, they're actually going to kill Barney off. So this is the point at which I, I was guess, just warming to him. Yeah, <laughs> this is the point at which I guess the uh, guest character in the, the original outline would have. Yeah, would have got. Would have died. Yeah, basically. Do you think that would have added anything to the episode by killing off one of the by the, one of the task force? I suppose it would have been a surprise. It would, it's not something that's happened before so far in the no. seven episodes, six episodes. The outcome, I guess, would have been the same anyway. Mm. They've been they've been kind of untouchable so far. They kind of too good mm. to get to get hit. But yeah, so come back from the ad break, and we're in the office of the. I think he's meant to be the leader of the Nationalist Party. His face is up on the poster, certainly. Yeah. Uh, this is the Commandant Felipe Mora. His mm. name, I I think I only got out of the. Uh, the I, say, I don't book. remember. Yeah, I don't remember hearing his name in the in the episode. Uh, Captain Trez is reporting to him. There was some kind of plot. They took the tear gas. The commandant is more concerned about the voting machines, obviously. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so uh, Mora is played by Mark Leonard, who also has a Star Trek connection. Okay, quite, who did he play? Quite a sizable Star Trek connection, actually. He played Spock's father, Sarek. Did he? Uh, in uh, the original series and the Star Trek movies, uh, number three, four, six, I think he shows up in. And also uh, shows up in Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, see, I I mean, I, I, I was never really into the original Star Trek series. So I've seen, I've seen a couple of the films, but I'm more clued up on Next Generation. Was he playing the same character in? Yeah, it was, in he plays Spock's father. I think okay. he's, he's, at le- he's at least one... Maybe two. 
his his character dies in the, in one of them, and Picard kind of gets his memories to then give to Spock because it's one where they brought right, okay. him back. So yeah, but he also in the original series of Star Trek played a Romulan commander. Mm. I think this was before he appeared as Spock's father, and he was the first Romulan that was revealed to have pointed ears like the Vulcans. Okay, and that's not his only first in Star Trek. He was also the first actor to appear as a Klingon with the forehead ridges. Was he? And speak the Klingon language, and in Star Trek the Motion Picture. Okay, that's that's some pretty. God, yeah, he's um, he must have been doing that for years, then, yes. on and off, like St- doing Star the Star Trek, Trek. Yeah, got plenty roles of and things. Yeah. Trek, yeah. Right, enough Star Trek. Fact. So we're in the uh, IMF's safe house or something. It's a, a house that they seem to have taken over. Yeah. Cinnamon's running through the names uh, that she memorised from the card file. She has a great memory. This has been established already with that when they yeah. had language almost entirely made up of code phrases mm. in Old Man Out. She's kind right. of a jack of all trades. She can memorise loads of things, beat people up, yeah, wrap men round her little finger. Yeah. Yeah, she has got everything. I like um in this scene I like Dan's uh bedside manner here. Like Barney's potentially dying oh, from, yeah, they... from a gunshot wound and Dan just says Get him a drink. Yeah, <laughs> they burst in through. Yeah, because yeah, Cinnamon and Rollin are talking. <laughs> Rollin's got the registry of voters, so they're trying to find someone who matches up in that. Mm. Um, and yeah, Dan, uh, Dan and Willie barge in through the front door, carrying <laughs> poor old uh, Barney. He's looking rough, isn't he? I, I actually thought he was dying. He looks rough. Yeah. yeah. Get him a drink. Yeah, I was like, I think he'll need more than a drink. Guys. Yeah, get him a drink. I'd, I'd, have, I'd have punched Dan out if I was Barney then. <laughs> um, before they burst in, Rollin and Cinnamon realise they've got a t- potential double in that mm. Miguel Cordova, the guy that looks like Silver. Silver. From Can we call him Rollin, Rollin Silver? Rollin Silver. Rollin Silver. But yeah, once Barney comes in, they, they sort of throw, <laughs> throw the registry aside and, and yeah. worry about him instead. Yeah. Dan has a look at him, and the bullet's gone clean through, like it always does in yeah. television and movies. No broken bones, nothing. No. Convenient. Uh, Captain Trace is checking the machine. As far as you can tell, the seal is still intact. Mm-hmm. He wants it opened up so they can check inside, um, which I would think would break the seal, but the seal later on appears to still be intact. So. Yeah, because just, it just peels off and then you can just stick it back on again. and then uh. Presumably the idea is that when you open it properly to get the results at the end, the seal would break because it's kind of over the hatch on the back. So when yeah, the hatch so you pulls the key, open, you would think the it, seal it would, would snap. Yeah, or rip or something. Yeah, like... Yeah, it's like a, it looks like a little wax affair or something yeah. like that. But yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's the least of this episode's problems. Frankly. I get, do you know, what? I I get more effective seals on a packet of um like fajita wraps. <laughs> <laughs> do you open them up with piano wire? Or, uh, I might do. You just tear. When next next fajita night, me and Helen have, I'll um, I'm like, going to use I some want piano fajitas. <laughs> just rip it open. But yeah, it's like you you open a packet of those and and the alignment's off. It means you can't eat them. No fajitas for you. <laughs> they should have just... Someone's fixed your fajitas. <laughs> yeah. I fancy fajitas now. Dan goes and visits uh, Cordova's bookshop. In the window, uh, there's a big sign, the gist of which appears to be, End the tyranny. Vote for the Liberty Party. Mm-hmm. In whatever language it is that they're using. Dan goes inside as a suspicious-looking man in shades spots the sign in the window and <laughs> makes a little note in a little notebook. Mm. I think this guy's, I don't know, is he like secret police or an informant for the Nationalist Party or something like that? They never I don't really... think you ever see him again, do you? Uh, but he crops up again later to, oh, get, to get clobbered. But 
Yeah, they don't really tell yeah, you who he is. Nah. I, I we called him Shady, didn't we? Shades or Shady, Shady, Shades, something like Shady. that. Uh, yeah, inside Dan has a bit of a chat with Cordova. So this is Martin Landau in his blonde wig and blonde eyebrows. Mm, yeah. But he's a different character instead of Martin Landau playing Rollin, playing the other character. Yeah. That if probably that makes sounds, any sense to anybody. That probably sounds ridiculously complicated for someone that hasn't seen this episode or, you know, you guys that are listening to this. But, yeah, so Martin Landau is playing Rollin at the moment, but Martin Landau is also playing... Cordova. Yeah, Rollin Silver, which isn't Rollin. Oh, my well, God. We'll, we'll, we'll call the real Cordova Cordova. Okay, yeah, we'll right. we'll call Rollin pretending to be Cordova Silver. Right, okay. Let's do it like that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. right, so Silver is fake... What's his real name? Cordova. Cordova. I'm just writing this down because I'm going to forget this. this week because he's terrible at remembering names. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Right. Silver, fake. Fake. Cordova, real. Yep. Okay, that's written down. <laughs> Dan, Dan may or may not be real. I'm not sure. But he has a chat with Cordova. Essentially, it's to get him to write down the address of the place so that he's got his name, signature, whatever, that, mm. so that um, Rollin can copy it. And while Cordova is writing this down, Dan takes out a cigarette packet and <laughs> seemingly they don't introduce this gadget to any point, but there's a camera built into it and he takes mm. a little photograph. But there's, just... no, there's no like photographic click noise or anything no, like that. No, he seems just like push it down slightly. It's got like a little hole in the side, which I, mean, yeah. I suppose is meant to be the lens. Yeah. I yeah. guess they couldn't put a click sound effect on because Cordova would be like, what was that He would have heard it, yeah. What was that? Yeah. So that's gathering, I guess, the intel that Rollin needs to double this man. Mm. Trez uh, reports back to the Commandant that the machines seemingly are untouched, but he'll post four guards and they'll check it again in the morning. Yep. Moore is now more interested in the young woman that Trez said he'd been speaking to, so <laughs> Cinnamon's pretend character. As far as the captain's concerned, she was just the victim of a con man. He kind of just laughs it off. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Commandant is not convinced, to say the least. <laughs> he is not, no, definitely not. Back at the safe house, Rollins making a key from the impression that Barney took, and there's some molten metal bubbling away in a little pot, which I guess they're going to use in the mould to make the, the wrench thing yeah. that they need. The phone rings, Cinnamon answers it, it's Dan saying, yep, Cordova's our man, and then the doorbell rings. Mm. So Cinnamon goes over to that, and from outside you hear, it's Captain Trez. <laughs> Everyone scurries to, to, yeah, to tidy everything it's quite away. funny. There's a silent look that everyone gives each other. And Vol- then battle station. Rollin starts conducting everyone, doesn't he? He's like, points at things on the table, <laughs> yeah. points at the door that leads yeah. out to the back room and stuff like that. Yeah. Willie seemingly picks up this molten, molten pot metal. of metal <laughs> in his bare hands, because he's Willie. Drinks off, it. Off they go, out into the back room. Turns leaving. into Colossus. <laughs> <laughs> He would have been a good Colossus, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) With them all hidden away, Cinnamon lets Captain Trez in. He's come all this way seemingly to tell her that they they want her to go to headquarters so that they can talk to her. Could have phoned. So uh, Cinnamon goes to talk to the Commandant in the next scene. Um, and she's sort of saying, oh, I can't find this man. He can keep the money. I've learned a lesson from it. Maura, the Commandant, wants to know why she specifically came to the 12th District. She says it's because the address she had was in that district. Mm. Maura wants to know what it was anyway, and she tells him. <laughs> and I think the idea is that he's supposed to be looking suspicious, but the look he exchanges with the captain 
He's like, I suddenly realised I don't actually know the name of every street in my district. <laughs> yeah, he had the plan. He had a plan to catch her out. He's like, well, what was the name of the fake street you were giving me? <laughs> so she makes the street up, and he stands there for a minute. And he's like, <laughs> I like the scene. Yeah, I, I kind of get what they wanted. They wanted someone prodding at the IMF's cover stories. But yeah, it just does, it's not really threatening enough. No, it's not really. No. So they all kind of laugh it off, and they let Cinnamon go. Mm. But once she's gone, Maura says to Trez, you're right, she is charming, but put her under close surveillance. Yeah. Cinnamon, I think in a phone booth, <laughs> rings the safe house, uh, tells Dan that she's out, but she's not sure what they're thinking. Mm. Dan says it's too late to change their plans now. Yep. So we cut to Cordova in his bookshop, and Cinnamon just bursts in through the door. She's had a costume change. She's not in a lime green outfit. She's not, no. She's looking a bit more um, just street clothes, you know. Yeah, it's like a grey jumper. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's now playing a different character. So she's now, she's got like an Eastern European accent. Oh, I don't think I've written down what name. I don't think it matters what name her character is. Oh, no. Anna, Anna Kroll. Anyway, she bursts <sighs> into this bookshop. Uh, she's saying she's fearing for her life. She's on the run from the police. Cordova, Cordova, the character Cordova seems to be just just a nice bloke. He's really nice. Yeah, I was he like, wants to help people out. Yeah, there's nothing. So he says she can uh, hide in the back room of the shop. You know, in his rooms at the back where he lives. Mm. Um, yeah, the story she's sort of telling him is that the police are after her. They're going to deport her back to Eastern Europe, uh, where she would probably be killed by quote unquote the regime. <laughs> Barney in the safe house is finishing up moulding that tool the wrench thing it's kind of it's in its mold and he needs to break the mold to get it out yeah he does not look good he's about to take the hammer to the mold when he just he's what says to dan i'm fine and then collapses out of the chair yeah i say but barney is the hero of this episode yeah he is just in a shift yeah i hope he was getting time enough for that (laughs) (laughs) danger money yeah because he's like they get paid in the imf who pays them who owns them government maybe it's not very clear, is it? Yeah, they, they must get paid. They wouldn't be doing... No, they wouldn't be doing it for nothing. Dan might. But, yeah, um, he just likes to see messages destroy themselves. He does, yeah. He loves it. But yeah, Barney is just... He is a machine in this episode. He does not stop. And he is like... I mean, he looks pretty close to death from this point on. Cordova offers uh, Cinnamon a room for the night. He, he can sympathise with her. He says he's been in a detention centre before. Mm. So I guess that's in this country... They have brought a doctor in to have a look at Barney. Uh, the doc says he's in shock. Barney's like, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> the doc uh, cuts open his shirt, checks under the dressing that the, the team had put on there, mm. and is like, oh, and rushes yeah. over to the phone. And before he can pick up the, the handset, Dan puts his hand over that, and the doctor's like, but gunshot wounds must be reported. Mm. Yeah. So Dan pulls out a gun, points <laughs> at him as if to say, do you want to report your own gunshot wound, mate? Yeah. <laughs> Tiny little gun as well. It like made the Morpho PVK look like a bazooka. Yeah, a little but, um... revolver thing. Uh, just do what you can for him, he says. <laughs> Seemingly now it's the next morning. Everyone's getting ready for the vote. Rollins getting mm-hmm. ready by practising Cordova's signature. Yep. They bring the voting machines out of storage. Cordova's getting ready to go and vote. He's like, you know, getting his tuck of his shirt, and he slept mm. on the sofa overnight. He lets Cinnamon he did, yep. have the bedroom, and Gentleman. he slept on the yep. sofa. His terrible wig is kind of ruffled up a little bit, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it's a really so bad wig. 
he's headed out to vote, so Cinnamon needs to stop him. Yep. So the story she now spins in that she's heard there's a place, I don't know where she heard it from, <laughs> that she can get fake papers, uh, but she's afraid to go alone. So he says, well, I'll take you there once I get back from voting. Mm. And then there's a knock on the door of the bookshop. Open up. Yes. It's the police. <laughs> Called over sight. Uh, in the police station the voting started there's you know a big old queue of people one guy goes up tries to vote for the liberty party on one of the machines Mm. the lever won't move so he goes out and reports that to the officials so it's the this presumably is the other machine which has now conveniently broken the imf did not sabotage this machine we were talking about this we paused it didn't we because either one of two things has happened. Either it is conveniently broken down, yeah. or someone sabotaged it. But neither option is clear. No, it doesn't make any sense. The IMF, we know no. the IMF didn't look at the other machine. Mm. We know. We don't know if it's been tampered with. We assume, yes, it has. So, yeah. presumably the Nationalist Party would want it functioning, because they know it's going to mm. help them win. Yeah. The Liberty Party seemingly are blameless in this whole situation. So Maybe could... the other machine was tempered by the Liberty Party with 2,000 votes and it's just cancelled out the other one. <laughs> Maybe. Know. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, the captain yeah. seems quite annoyed that it's broken. There's like, a uh, tech guy looks at it and it's like, I can't fix it today. Sorry, mate. Yeah. And, and Captain Chess. tried turning it off and on again. Yeah. <laughs> captain Chess is quite annoyed. Apparently, mm. it was, he says there's one of the metal gears in it has had a fault in it and fractured or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the second machine was. Just... Metal gear. Sorry, I have, I have <laughs> solid metal snake going metal, metal gear. gear. <laughs> yeah, the second machine is problematic all the way through. I think, mm. I yeah. think basically, when they were writing this and. It can only have been one or two drafts. They were like, <laughs> if we've got two machines and they both need unfixing, then Barney's going to have to unfix be... two machines in the finale <laughs> of the episode, and that's going to be dull. That would be very boring. So yeah. they just take one off, Why didn't off they the just, table. They should have just had written, one machine. To had start one with. machine written out the second machine. <laughs> it's, it's superfluous to the the plot. You don't you don't need it. It's very weird. You don't see anyone ever use it. No one votes on the thing. It would have been more believable to watch it and think, why'd they only have one voting machine in this whole district rather than... That would be less problematic. Yeah, less problematic than, why'd they got two voting machines, but they're only using one anyway, and the other one's broke, oh, I don't know. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> Called over in the bookshop, is being grilled uh, on the location of Anna Kroll by the policeman. The guy, the policeman giving him a hard time, turns around to leave. It's Dan, dressed up as a policeman. Yeah. The police uniforms in this... I'm glad you mentioned that. I was going to, yeah. They look, they just really reminded me of the Gotham City Police uniforms in Batman the Animated Series. Mm, they did, yeah. Like bright, you know, kind of blue with the, the very clean looking. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did actually, yeah. So, because of Dan's little bit of acting, Cordova's now convinced that Cinnamon's in pretty serious danger mm. and they need to get her sorted before he goes to vote. Yeah. So, they head outside, get into his car, and go. From the other side of the street, Shades is watching them leave. <laughs> Shades. Ad break. We come back from the ad break and Dan is watching Shades watching them leave. <laughs> Shades goes and jumps in his car. He's got yeah. like a car phone in it, which is... Pretty cool. Literally, it's not a Bluetooth job. It's yeah. the 60s. It's literally just a phone nailed yeah, to in the a car. dashboard. I assume they existed. Like, well, yeah, because didn't Batman have one in the Batmobile in the 60s, yeah, Batman? That's Batman. Well, yeah, Batman. Batman yeah. in the Batcar. Well, he's a billionaire, isn't he? I do think they actually had 
actual I telephones. Think, yeah, I think they did. How they? I don't know what they were connected to though. They How worked you more s- like radios. Anyway, he's anyway, going to report yeah. in. Seemingly, this is why I think is he like secret police or something? He's got Cordova, who seemingly is kind of a big figure in the Liberty Party support. Yeah, yeah. But they don't really. I'll buy that. Yeah. that. No. Nah. We'll go with that. <laughs> so before he can get through twenty one on his Shades phone. <laughs> Dan gets in the back of the car and delivers another judo chop. The second judo chop of the episode. An IMF special. I mean, it was yeah, it was a terrific judo chop. Just lays lays the guy straight out of yeah, the dashboard. Really clean. Yeah. yeah, that's the end of shades. And almost in exactly the same swinging motion, gets out the other side of the back of the car <laughs> and saunters off down the street. Dan has got some moves, hasn't he? <laughs> Honestly, I've never seen anyone move like this before, ever. He sort of sachets off. It's, it's great, great, isn't it? Yeah. In the safe house, Doc's all tied up and gagged on a chair. Mm. Barney's not looking much better. He's not, He's no. on his feet, but he's not looking a great deal better. Cinnamon uh, comes back to Cordova in his car, parked up outside a house. So she comes out from inside the house, mm-hmm. saying, oh, sorry, it took me so long to get my papers and they've told me that there's a boat that's leaving this evening that I could go on. Could she impose on him to drive her to the, the docks, I guess? This house that she's been in. Because presumably <laughs> the person who makes pa- the fake papers, it's just a made-up story and doesn't exist. Yeah. So she's, she's gone and broken into, into someone's she's house? She's gone into someone's ran- random person's house. Walked into their kitchen and sat down. Can I have a cup of tea? I need to wait yeah. five minutes before I go back outside. Do you think there was anyone in the house when she went in there? Don't know. Perhaps she kicked him out of the back door. Might have done. Perhaps it's the safe Cinnamon, house. come on. But then, no, that doesn't make sense because we've just seen Barney in the safe house with the doctor by himself. And yeah, I don't think it's there. a safe house. Anyway, yet another thing in this episode that doesn't quite make sense. <laughs> uh, Cordova, because he's a good dude, basically. Yeah, all right, let's do that. Yeah. And they head off to the docks. All the meanwhile, he still wants to vote, doesn't he? So, yeah. But he's, you know, running errands for Cinnamon. I guess this is still the morning. So he's. he's, he's, he's yeah, he's, he's got, got plenty of time. Like, yeah, six o'clock in the evening or something. I think sundown said on the sign. Cordover and Cinnamon have stopped at a petrol station to fill up. Uh, Cinnamon makes herself look a bit woozy. Says she's hungry, so Cordover goes off inside the uh, the, the petrol station to get some food. Mm-hmm. Cinnamon jumps out of the car, opens up the hood, and pours sugar into the petrol tank. Yeah, where'd you get the sugar from? I don't know. Perhaps Maybe from that, that house. The house yeah. that she broke into. <laughs> That's why she asked them for tea. Oh, yeah. I'm making Just coming around to borrow some sugar. Wait, who are you? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I wondered if that actually does anything. It's something that I'd heard of before, but I wasn't convinced if it was a real thing or not. So okay. I looked it up quickly. Apparently, it doesn't really, wouldn't really work. Sugar doesn't dissolve in gasoline. Um, it'd be kind of the same effect as pouring sand into it. You'd, so it would just sit at the bottom. It could clog up the works, mm. but... It might not, so it's not really a particularly efficient way of doing anything to it. And what actually would be okay. better would be to pour water into the petrol tank because petrol would float on water, ah. so the pipes would fill up with water and not petrol, and right. your car would go. No, oh, it, cinnamon! Mate. She should have known that. Perhaps it's special IMF sugar. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Barney's prepping his toolkit for the mission. Dan's worried about him. Says, "Look, I want to take over from you. I'll do your part." But Barney insists that he's okay. He'll do it yep. through sheer willpower. <laughs> He'll get there. And he's, he basically just distracts Dan by pointing out that Rollin's putting his makeup on. So we get to see <laughs> Rollin putting sort of his kind of like he's silly fake nose, stuff, yeah, fake 
fake nose, and a wig. Mm. They did not know who he was going to be doubling before they got there. No. I can buy the sort of putty stuff to make the nose shape. He's got a perfect kind of silver blonde wig. Yeah. How the hell is he There's no other wigs in that room or that box. It's sitting on a little... He hasn't like got a like mannequin a, head sort of thing, isn't it? Or, he hasn't got like a Gladstone bag full of wigs. Wigs, <laughs> he might do. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, I suppose that sort of thing we're going to have to get used to because he's the man of a million faces. A million faces, yeah. And a billion wigs tucked down his trousers. <laughs> Called over his car's knackered. The guy at yeah. the petrol station says it's going to take all night to fix it. There's a bus that will get to the port for 6.30 in the evening uh, and there's one coming through the other way that goes back to the city, but that's at midnight. What kind of bus timetable is that? Cinnamon's part in this mission is turning into planes, trains and automobiles. (laughs) (laughs) I've expected John Candy to come out and help us get there. Uh, at the police station, voting has continued. Rollin arrives as Silver, as we're going to call him. Yep. So he queues up to vote. Dan, outside, dressed as the cop again, he flips the sign over so that it says that the elections are closed, just as this old lady tries to get past him. <laughs> I didn't write that down, but yeah, that is brilliant. She gives him a filthy look, and Dan's just I like... I she was going to punch him. <laughs> Dan just smiles at her. He's like, sorry. Yeah, it's a weird scene, though, because they, they don't, no one says anything to each other. She's yeah. like walking up, and he almost like. Well, if extras if extras speak, they have to get have paid, to get paid more, don't they? Don't yeah, they? yeah. So... But he almost like kind of like chest bounces her backwards, <laughs> and it's like steady, Dan. I mean, you can just she's like old, you know, she's an old lady. Yeah. yeah. One one thing I wanted to say actually earlier, I said Barney is the hero of this episode. The other hero of the episode is rolling Silver's eyebrows. <laughs> Honestly, they are like, they are heroic. They're like, you know, the Thunderbirds puppet for John Tracy. They're like, oh my God, yeah. I, when I like was like, inch thick and I was trying blonde. to think of something to compare those eyebrows to. That is, that's perfect, actually. Yeah, like, you can't, yeah. Like some <laughs> beige carpet offcuts that have been glued to his face. Yeah. It's like yeah. If, if I stuck a couple of cats above me, I'd. They're <laughs> 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 my eyebrows. Bloody hell. All right, anyway, sorry. I, uh... Two caterpillars in his head. Yeah. Silver signs into the book using Cordova's <laughs> signature. One of the officials seems to know the real Cordova uh, and checks the signature because everybody knows everyone else's signature. Everyone, yeah, like the, the guy earlier knows every single street in the whole province and this guy knows everyone's... Like, how is that a way of identifying They're someone? They're trying to build a bit of tension. Oh, um, is Roland going to get discovered? There yeah. Were, there were better ways they to just, do it. There are, and then... Someone comparing a photograph from the records, mm. which we know they have got, yep. to Rollins' disguise mm. might have been more tense than yeah. a random dude going, oh, this looks like you've written down your name with all the right letters in it. Yeah, as you say, I think that's the pro- one of the main problems with this episode is that they're trying to ratch up tension, but they have not, no way of... succeeding. No, they've got no real way of creating it. It's... it's it, yeah, it just falls flat every time. Every time. Even even the the one I mean the one bit of tension in this episode is the bit where Barney gets shot and then within three minutes later they're saying it's a clean shot and he's alright. Yeah. Um yeah. All right ish. <laughs> all right ish, yeah. I mean he still looks bloody rough, but Captain Tress sees Rollin get the okay mm-hmm. off signature man. Um he's getting a drink out of the water cooler in one of those little tiny cups. cups, yeah. And when he sees Silver, <laughs> he like 
scrunches it up. <laughs> yeah, he tries to do it really menacingly, but because it's, it's such a small cup, it, it almost disintegrated in his hand. <laughs> he goes and stops uh, Rollin from being able to get into the voting booth, which is mm. essentially just like a curtained off <laughs> area, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He wants to question him about the woman that Trez knows as Catherine Block, mm. which is, of course, cinnamon. Yep. Um, Silver says that he doesn't know her, but Trez insists that she was seen entering his store yesterday. Well, lots of ladies visit my store, says Silver. Mm, yeah. And they stay the night, do they? <laughs> yeah, see, this was this was building up to be quite good. Like, quite a good scene. So I thought, he's going to catch him out now. Is he going to talk his way out of this one? He sent one of the policemen to go and fetch the commandant, doesn't he? Mm, like yes. Yeah. The boss is coming. How do they know that she stayed the night? Because Shades got knocked out before he could make a report. <sighs> Just a thought. Yeah, that, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Rollins like, I, I need to vote. We can talk about this later. <laughs> mm. But Trez still blocks his way. They're going to close down the machine, so he's running out of time. So Rollin tries losing his temper as a bit of a shout. Yeah, the signature guy behind him is like, ah, oh, you know, he's right. Let him, let, let him, him through, let him vote. Him yeah, and talk to him after. But he, uh, he says, "I haven't committed a crime. You've got no right to prevent me from voting." Which Trez, in the face of all these witnesses, has to kind of admit to. Yeah, yeah. Lets him in. So Rollin goes inside, pulls the curtains behind him, casts the vote. Mm-hmm. that Cordova presumably would have cast into the Liberty Party, pulls the handle, and he pulls a pill out of his pocket and pops that. Yeah. We cut to Cordova and Cinnamon, still stranded at the petrol station. They're listening to the car radio, and the news is reporting that the early kind of feedback suggests the nationalists are going to win. Mm. Uh, Cordova's a bit sad about that, obviously. He is, yeah. Uh, Cinnamon kind of offers her sympathies. But because he's he's a nice dude... He just says that he's glad that he can help get her to safety. Yeah. At the polling station, there's a thud. <laughs> and Silver has collapsed. <laughs> so I don't know what was in this pill that Rollin took, but it's pretty pretty potent stuff. I've always going to be like a, a vomiting pill or something like something <laughs> out of Harry Potter at first, but yeah, it's just knocked him out. I guess it fakes him being poorly. <sighs> but couldn't he have just done that without taking a pill? You'd think so. Because <laughs> it wasn't... There's nothing... Um, there's nothing physically wrong, as in, sorry, visibly wrong with him, apart from the fact that he's flat on the floor. He could have faked that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They call for an ambulance. The ambulance comes screaming down the street. So this, is good. this is a good bit, actually. I forgot about this. Willie's waiting in a parked car, and as the ambulance goes past him, he pulls out, chases it down the road a bit, and then sideswipes it. <laughs> it goes off the road... Clean through the front window of it's like a break, a bakery, yeah, or a grocery store or something like that. Yeah, could have killed a number of people. Any number by of doing people, that. Yeah, it's quite quite reckless of Willie. I disapproved of that. <laughs> tut Willie, tut tut. She yeah, she just got out and picked up the ambulance and thrown it down the street or something like the whole. Or like shot the tires out. Yeah, mind you, no. is, is running a car off the road more or less conspicuous than shooting the tires on a gun? Or he could have had those really cool wheels like the DB5 in Goldfinger that shoot out the side and like or just the lasers, slash the tires. Like a or Dal- the lasers. Dalton's one. In yeah, a, Dalton's uh, lasers, yeah. Daylight. Yeah, Willie drives his car into an alleyway. <laughs> Waiting at the other end of the alleyway is Dan dressed as a paramedic or something mm, with yep. an ambulance, all of their very own. Yeah. Pretty sure Ready it's to the roll. ambulance from Operation Rogosh. I think it was, yeah. And they in the other ambulance's place, go screaming off to the police station. Yep. 
Dan goes inside. Uh, Willie waits outside with the ambulance. When Trez cross-questions what's wrong, Dan snaps at him, oh, I've just got here, and then pulls the curtain <laughs> shut. <laughs> it's because of an evil yeah. one just snaps it shut. Yeah. Uh, he sets to work on breaking the seal on the back of the machine with the cheese wire again, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. They shout at him from outside the curtain. They want him to hurry so they can get in and get the count of the votes to announce the result of the election. He tells them they better send for a stretcher. So one of the policemen goes out, helps Willie bring the stretcher in from the ambulance. They carry it exceptionally carefully out of the back, in through the door. Very odd-looking stretcher, because it's covered in a sheet, a yeah, white sheet that covers it. drapes down to the level to of ground the ground level. And I was thinking, there's something, there's something in there. But then it looks as though it doesn't weigh anything, which, if it was just Willie carrying it, I'd probably buy that. Yeah, in one hand, just over his head. But one of the guards or police officers is Helping carrying it him. with him. Barney is underneath the the the, yes. the bed of the stretcher. So he's under. He's not lying on the bed of mm. the stretcher. He's underneath in underneath the it. wheels, hidden by the sheet. So this would have weighed a as, fair amount, as much as a man. <laughs> yeah, at least what do you reckon? At least thirteen stone. Yeah, let's if, say that. if not more. Yeah, and the guards completely. Perhaps Willie's taking all of the weight. He might have been, Because yeah. you know that he can. He can, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's another bit of nonsense that doesn't quite work. No. I bet they were like, were in the script, it was like, Willie wheels the stretcher in. And then when they they built the set and put mm. stairs in, they were like, oh, oh. bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> we're just going to have to make the best of this. Normally I'd, I'd, I'd be all right with things like that, but this, it's, this episode Two. at this too many things like this. Yeah, there's too many now, and it, and it was, you know, it's getting annoying now with all these mistakes. <laughs> so they wheel the stretcher into the curtained-off area, close the curtains. Barney rolls out as best he can with a shot shoulder underneath. Mm. Um, he gets to work on the back of the machine using the little wrench tool that he's built to mm. unlock the box that contains the control mechanism for the, the wheels. Like the, the counters, yeah, yeah. yeah. Commandant Moore arrives, demands to see Cordova. Don't know why, he's not a doctor. The guy's, no. as far as they know, laid out on the floor dying. Mm. Uh, at which point, Dan wheels the stretcher back out, this time with Rolling Silver, whatever we want to call him, <laughs> yeah. on the top, doing his best, oh, I'm dying, kind of acting. <laughs> Dan says to the Commandant, get a priest, this man is dying. Uh, Moore is not sympathetic at all. <laughs> He's not, no. No, I guess perhaps they've had trouble with Cordova in the past, and mm. he's just like, good, he's done. Well, I suppose he is the op- the opposition yeah. party, but um, Dan's yeah, no Dan to delay. It's like, this man needs heart massage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this I'm not convinced by Dan's technique. I don't think he's had any first aid training. No, I'm first aid trained, and the only thing, the only way you can describe what he was doing was, well, he was sticking his hand under his shirt and... Tweaking his nipples. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doing the old one-handed nipple tweak. <laughs> the one-hand nipple tweak. Another one technique. of Dan's special moves. <laughs> yeah. The jury's out on whether Rollin enjoyed it or not. I don't know. Um, his massive eyebrows were twitching. <laughs> <laughs> it's because they're trying to get away. <laughs> Just blowing in the breeze. <laughs> Going kind of looking for dinner. <laughs> Barney's working the machine, uh, changing numbers and dials, so he's tapping away. At, there's like these little golden levers in there, and mm. they correlate to the... Various digits on the dial. Yeah. So he cranks the nationalist side down 2,000, cranks the Liberty Party up 2,000. That is a long scene. So it seems, it, to me, it felt like that was going Imagine on for... Imagine if he was doing two machines. Oh, my God, yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad that I. Yeah. I'm glad that didn't happen. But. But yeah, he's. Um, I mean, part of it is because he's. He looks like he's at death's door. Yeah. And he's, he's still still plugging away. He's kind of. He's leaning up against the machine. He's weak. He's looking mm. sweaty and pasty. Yeah, he's. He's struggling. The priest arrives to give Silver his last rites. Um, I couldn't. We couldn't quite work out this. He, he <laughs> kind of puts his hand on. Roland's forehead, I guess, to bless yeah. him in some kind of way. Yeah. I think the idea is that maybe the wig moves. Yeah. And the priest spots that. I mean, it moves like a millimetre, but... He looks across uh, at Dan, and Dan looks across at the priest. Yeah. And a moment kind of passes between them, and I think perhaps the idea is... The priest knows the priest something's up. is kind of sympathetic to the... Liberty mm. Party, maybe, and knows that something's going on. Yeah. Anyway, it's never explained. It's meant to build... Again, it's meant to be building up tension. Yeah. Is the priest going to give it all away? He doesn't. No. And it's just a very shrug-worthy moment. Yeah. It's, yeah, another... Yeah, it's another, very odd. Another one that just Because I thought past. At first, I thought the priest was going to be another IMF agent, but then I thought, well, that wouldn't make sense, because how would they have... <laughs> Maura just wants him to hurry up. Get on with it so they can ship the dead man out. That's pretty much how I felt as well, to be honest. <laughs> Barney's finished altering the counters, seals out the back of the machine. The Liberty Party are in the lead, so in reality, they did win the election. Yep. He's really flagging at this point. They kind mm. of do a, a Barney point of view shot of him looking up at the at the light fittings and it all yeah, goes and it's blurry, all very out double focus and Yeah, yeah. So this is the point at which I think it's sun, supposed to be sunset and the sun goes down because the oh, yeah, lights is weird. dim in the room. Quite quickly. Yeah. and but So someone, one of the sort of flunkies turns on the light switch. Mm. It's such... No, I mean, all it needed was a line of ADR that was like, yeah. and that's sunset and we still haven't got the vote out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that, would have, that would have worked completely fine. None of it. No. So I think... This is supposed to add a complication that maybe the IMF were relying on it being gloomy in the room to get Barney out of the curtained-off area without being noticed. Yeah. Because now begins fun and games. Barney's behind the curtain, but everyone else is the other side. Yeah, Ronin's on the stretcher. Dan's there as the paramedic. Willie's there as another paramedic. Yeah. That now begins fun and games of them trying to get the lights turned off. (laughs) Willie skulks Mm. off into the stairwell... Where there's a fuse box on the wall because everyone keeps oh, yeah. their fuse boxes in the fire escape. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and he's about to presumably just throw the switch, and a guard comes down the stairs and interrupts mm. him. It's really funny because he the guard he primes his gun at the top of the stairs, stomps <laughs> down the stairs, and then goes, "What are you doing here?" Whereas you'd do it at the top of the stairs, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd just what be are you like, doing? What are you doing here? Put train the gun on him. Yeah. And when he's like, oh, nothing. Yeah, and then saunters off saunters again. off back into the main <laughs> area. Again, trying to build up some tension. Out of nothing. Another think... swing and a miss. Yeah. Right, more is all out of sympathy. Once Silver taken away. I think at this point, they're supposed to have declared him dead. Yeah. And Dan is going to, I think, check his pupils for a reaction. With so the get, light, he gets a scope off. out, like a, a what do you call it, an ophthalmoscope, something mm. like that. But he wants the lights turned off so that he can do it. He manages to convince them because basically they're just like, oh, get on with it. So they turn off all the lights. They they push Rollins' stretcher so that it's lengthways along the opening. Yeah, so that's kind of, of yeah, yeah. The curtain mm-hmm. and Barney 
clambers seemingly <laughs> really under the curtain. Pathetic, really pathetically. <laughs> yeah, he's in his last legs of energy. Under the curtain, underneath mm. the stretcher. So he's out of the, the voting booth. I don't get how he did that without moving the curtain, though. <laughs> That that is impossible that he would have crawled through a curtain. But that, Kev, is why they needed the lights off. Oh, yeah. So that everyone becomes completely blind. Were the lights off when he did that? Yeah. Oh, they were? Okay. All right, okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) They get the hell out. (laughs) Yes. So Dan and Willie pushing the the stretcher, rolling on top, Barney Mm -hmm. underneath, the IMF are out. At the petrol station... Cinnamon and called over here on the radio that they are declaring the Liberty Party the winner of the election. Much yeah. to Cordova's delight. Yeah. Got what he wanted. And he says to Cinnamon, perhaps you don't have to leave now. Cinnamon says to him, uh, I must. He gives him a little kiss on the lips. Just yeah. a little gentle, tender kiss. Mm. Uh, gets on the bus and leaves him behind mm. to presumably deal with the fact that he is now miraculously going to return from the dead. Yeah, because everyone knows that he's, well, on a stretcher at the moment. At which point you'd go, what happened in the police station yesterday when we were having a vote? (laughs) Was someone tampering with our vote? (laughs) Anyway, mission accomplished. (laughs) Mission finally accomplished. That last scene between Cordova and Cinnamon was actually quite nice. Mm. Because there was a bit of, there was quite a lot of affection between them and he, he genuinely looked like he wanted to spend some more time with her. Yeah, they were kind of, she built up a, Rapport between them, mm. aren't they? And a, you know, a little bit of interest. Yeah. yeah, it really reminded me of the um, the end of um, I don't know if it's series three or series four of Red Dwarf, the Camille episode, <laughs> when Crichton when Crichton dates a green blob. So yeah. anyone listening to this that doesn't know Red Dwarf, sorry, throughout this podcast, I'm gonna there'll probably be more Red Dwarf references, but it's an, basically, Crichton an is an android. android. Camille is a shape-shifting green blob monster <laughs> that was originally disguised as another. F- female android that Crichton yeah. kind of falls in love with. Yeah, all the members of the crew see different versions of their idea of the perfect woman. Yeah. And Crichton sees her as a female droid, but then when she shows her true shape, she's a blob. Doesn't the cat just see himself? The cat think, sees himself, he does, yeah. And um, they play right at the end sort of, of it, melodramatic Casablanca-like music. Yeah, it is a play they? on Casablanca, which I guess... You know, maybe I should have, when I said this reminded me of Camille from Series 3 of Red Dwarf, <laughs> I should have said this reminded me of Casablanca to yeah, have a bit that, of class. <laughs> that movie that hardly anyone's ever seen or I've never about. seen that. I'm a, yeah, I'm a, dwar- <laughs> I'm a dwarfer. And, um, yeah, which, it, it was the same kind of thing. It was a little, it was a little bit of a, bit of sweet ending and yeah, quite, quite, quite nice. Um, but it was unfortunately too little, too late for me. Much too little, That too episode late. was a struggle. If, right, so... <laughs> If we're not going back to those voting machines, are we? No, forget the voting machines. If they hadn't given the IMF the slightly bizarre stipulation that they weren't allowed to involve any of the locals mm. in their plan, if it was more a case that Cinnamon had to recruit Cordova to do the yeah. business with the machine because Barney is her, yeah, and then it was the real Cordova, this gentle man in danger, yeah, would it be more tense and more effective? I think so because then you you're he's an outsider he's not an agent he's a genuinely nice guy you would want him to succeed I mean you wouldn't need it to be no. Martin Lando playing it you'd have to be a well no it'd be actor. a completely different person but then yeah then how would he get pulled into it how would they have met the guy 
his whole point of sin and meeting him. Oh my god! Was finding someone. Whatever way you look at this, it's finding travels. someone that looked like Martin Lando, who was yeah. a widow and also going to vote for the Liberty. Well, I don't know. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was a very, ah, oh, very weak episode. There's a couple of good moments. I love Dan's um, whack with the baton. <laughs> I think I need to work out how to make uh, gifts so that I can put some of these oh, yeah. on the Facebook page. You should do like the weekly Dan gift. We have a Facebook page. I don't think we've ever mentioned this. No. I don't even know what the address is. I'm terrible at these things. Uh, I think it's just Impossible Missions podcast yeah, I think you on Facebook. That, you'll find it. I, I put up some screen grabs for each of the episodes so that it's like things that we're talking about that mm. are kind of visual things. I'll pop I'll pop them on there. They're quite good actually, yeah, because they're visual they're visual. Uh, cues and brief explanations of the sequence and they're all under a different all under that specific episode so if you're not watching these episodes with us it's definitely worth checking out the facebook page just to um, see the damn just clown get, photos oh my god yeah <laughs> yeah so this was written by a chat called lawrence heath and either the good or the bad news depending on your <laughs> viewpoint is that in the next seven seasons he will contribute 23 scripts Bloody hell. Let's hope that they are less rushed than this one was, mm. seemingly. Um, it was planned to be a seven-day shoot, budget of $208,000, and as seems to be standard, it went two days long and cost an extra 34 something thousand dollars What, this episode? Yeah. When the hell did that go on? Probably all that smoke with the tear gas. And wigs. <laughs> and the wigs, yeah. Those, it's just those eyebrows. <laughs> The last little thing I've got, I've got a little bit of fact, because it was quite a good episode for Barney, so mm. I picked out a Greg Morris fact. So Greg Morris okay. plays Barney. Yep. Um, so despite Barney being the tech guy in the show, uh, Greg Morris was not that great at that sort of stuff in real life. Mm. And once, when he had needed to call in a TV repairman to fix his television set, when he opened the front door to him, the uh, the TV repairman took one look at him and laughed his head off, thinking it was a practical joke. <laughs> That's really good. So, oh, I like that. That made me chuckle. But the, the thing is, I think I think we've been maybe we've been spoiled with the episodes we've watched so far because I, I've genuinely enjoyed every single episode, and the villains have been great. The the stories have been great. Um, Old Man Out Part One was, you know, up until this. I don't want to say the weakest episode because it makes them sound like there are weak episodes in it, but obviously there was a lot of filler in that. But this just didn't. This just didn't seem to work. It wasn't a particularly strong story to start off with. I think um, you've got a few they things. Build anything on it, you know. A few things that were kind of working against it. Most TV series, their first year is less assured, mm. and they're also I think what was it, twenty-seven episodes in this first season. Yeah, that's a lot of episodes to write. Rewrite, draft, um, produce, plan, make, edit, whatever. It's gonna sometimes you just get the duffers, but you they've got no choice but to go with them because they've run out mm. of time. So yeah, yeah, one yeah. of those things. We survived though. We did. Um, I've got an extra little something before we do mission unguessable. Okay. Um, a little segment. I'd been waiting for someone to come along and point out something we'd missed or something that I hadn't quite remembered correctly or something oh, like that cool. in a section that I want to call Omission Possible. Omission Possible. Oh, I like that. And this do, we, one, uh, do we name Do we name people? Well, yeah, this one comes courtesy of my sister, Lindsay. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you remember, right. I was trying to remember the, the particular name for the type of clown that 
Barney and Dan seemingly dressed up as in Old Man Out, the kind yeah. of, where it was more white from top to bottom, perhaps a bit of black in there, yes. but not, yeah, not yeah. a big colourful clown. That's a Piero clown. I knew it began with P. I remember oh, it you did say P, P yeah. didn't you? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'd seen oh, you you examples of... <laughs> mission, sorry, that mission possible is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> uh, examples of this Piero clown sort of design. Um, you see it in the, the TV series Ashes to Ashes, which was the follow-up to Life on Mars. Okay, I never uh, saw that. The main character, Alex Drake, is haunted by the Piero clown that David Bowie dressed up as in the Ashes to Ashes music video. Right, okay, yeah. That's where I'd seen that clown before yeah. from the David Bowie video, yeah. And the other place I've seen one is in the uh, Sylvester McCoy era Doctor Who mm. story, The Greatest Show in the Galaxy. Okay. Where they come across this weird circus on another planet that's that run terrifying. by the gods of Ragnarok. And <laughs> oh, that sounds this, cool. And there's this weird clown. It's Yeah, it's quite good, that one. I was actually. watching Great, Ragnarok last night. <laughs> greatest Show in the Galaxy. Yeah, it's not Thor Ragnarok. Oh, okay. Well, let me tell you, it's... Yeah, no, it's definitely not a thought right now. <laughs> um, right. Cool, nice so, yeah, one. Omission, Omission Possible. Possible. Yeah, if thanks, anyone... I mean, thanks, Lindsay. Yeah, thanks, Lindsay. <laughs> Hi, Lindsay, and thank you for being the first named... Listener. Listener mm. of the entire podcast. Took us seven episodes. We got that. But we're here. Um, yeah, and that goes for anyone else. Anyone else that we miss anything or any feedback or you want to shout out or anything, yeah, message us. On, yeah. on Twitter, was it at Impod, I-M-P-P-O-D? Yeah, and the Facebook page, Mission Impossible's... Mission Impossible, uh, the Impossible Mission Podcast thing, Something you know, like the thing we're doing. We, we are so professional <laughs> Oh this. my God. It's amazing. Don't worry. Anyway, contact us and, you know, we might give you a shout out. Anyway, that leaves us on to um, one of my favourite parts of the week. Mission Unguessable. Mission Unguessable. Well, I love all these little puns that we're coming up with, actually. They're really good. I have, to, ah. I have to entertain myself. I feel like I've got energy now that we've got past that bloody episode of Wheels. <laughs> <sighs> so Wheels is done, and this is going to be Season 1, Episode 8, The Ransom. The Ransom. Hit it. The match. The fuse. Go. Red flashing Sirens. lights. Ambulance or something. Oh, oh punch, he's going for his throat. Punch up in a car park. Oh, a man a on a rotating bed. table. Then picking up a phone. Someone putting a phone down. Oh, no, he's giving it to a lady. There's someone being kidnapped held in a car. What a- what the hell? That was something underwater exploding. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. Dan holding a gun. Oh my god! What happened then? Dan, Dan in a phone just... box being shotgunned, seemingly. Did Dan shoot the shotgun? I think Dan was being was the shot e. Dan was the one getting shot. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god! It all goes by so quickly. Um, okay, my guess is Dan. <laughs> Sorry. Go on, you have a guess. That's uh, so that's the really funny. Well, I think my guess is going to be pretty bland. I think someone's been kidnapped and being held to ransom, and the IMF have to get them back. Yeah, <laughs> Makes there was sense. a lot of weird, random shots of something hanging and blowing up, and yeah, that was weird. Yeah, like a bit of electronic gadgetry underwater, yeah. kind of bubbling and flashing, and yeah. Maybe Dan was in the phone box at the end trying to be turned into Superman and it just goes horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out he's not faster than a speeding bullet. No. <laughs> that was such a weird series of images. It was almost like being a there clockwork a, orange. There was a guy a... on like a, a, a table laid out on a bench. Yeah. Like a, like a lab bench and it, it rotated. And it flipped him round. So like that a, Almost like a magic underneath. trick. Yeah. Oh, I'm... I'm completely stumped with that. I think I'm probably reasonably safe in my kidnapping guess. Yeah, I don't think he's doing a Superman impression. The ransom. Oh yeah. Oh damn it. 
Um, yeah, it's got to be. Well, it's obviously a kidnapping plot. Yeah, that's yeah, about it. I think. I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was our guesses last week for this one? I think. Oh yeah, you said I it was, it was like be... big trouble in Little China. Yeah. Yeah. And I was that Willie really wanted some donuts, so we ran raids a shop. So we were <laughs> we were well off with those yeah. ones. <laughs> we'll get one one of these days, won't we? I think next week I might have got this one. I'm feeling confident. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I couldn't compare it to any Bond films. <laughs> <laughs> Just for once. So I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's it. Yeah, is it right? Yeah. Thank you for listening. Um, you know, I'm, I hope you're still listening. <laughs> Yeah, it's it was still fun, even if it was not a particularly great it was example good. Yeah, of there the was... Mission Impossible oeuvre. No, you know. If that word means what I think it means. Yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> but anyway, um, well, I guess we'll see you guys in two weeks. In two weeks, We're doing yeah. the old fortnightly ones now, aren't we? So, um, was it, this was our first fortnightly episode? Yeah, so I've had some sleep. Nice. Yes. I have not. Well, you've got kids, so that's... Well, yeah. yeah. Maybe in 18... No, 40 years. <laughs> 40 years. So Maybe in 40 years. When, when we finish this podcast. <laughs> when you are dead, you shall sleep. <sighs> and on that bombshell, good night. They broke into the mall for the wildest all-night party of their lives. At that meet. But you're never alone. In the chopping mall. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please do so on Twitter at Impod, that's I-M-P-P-O-D, and let us know if we missed anything or got something wrong. Go easy on the spoilers, please. Even though this aired in the 60s, we haven't seen it yet. So until the next mission, goodbye, Agent, and good luck. This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds. Probably. Probably.